the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Pain. Most of us, especially as we grow older, experience it. Pain accompanies injuries, overexertion, and the deterioration of the neck, spine, and certainly pain frequently accompanies arthritis. We typically accept pain as a normal part of aging, mask it often with pills, and then try to move on. But are pain and aging inextricably tied together? Next, some answers as we welcome you to Healing Habits with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. Or information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com. Dr. Duong, let's talk about this issue. There's a new study out that reveals 50 million Americans on average suffer from chronic pain. For many people, this chronic pain is disorienting, distracting, and quite frankly, robs them of enjoying a full quality of life. Yes. There's so many people are living in pain, and they don't seem to have the solution. So now we're going to talk about the solution, because I believe the body can heal itself. The powers that create the body heals the body from the inside out, the healing inside us, and we will see how we can do the right thing so that we can diminish our pain, so that we can live a better quality life. That's why I'm here. When we talk about pain, walk us through, if you would, some of the indicators of where most chronic pain tends to originate. Where is its source? There's always a pattern of pain. If it's coming from the lower back, if you have ever have experienced low back pain and you did an X-ray or an MRI on your lower back, where is it going to be? 90% of the time, it's usually it's going to be L4, L5, L5S1, herniated disc, bulging disc, stenosis, foraminal encroachment, tingling numbness in your feet. That's the, some of the symptoms on that. That's a lower back, right? How about in the neck? A lot of neck problem right now. The reason is because of technology. Computers bending the neck forward. Yeah, right? we're all like this all the time, hunched over our cell phones. Uh, the neck. And then how, um, like, uh, the cell phone, the computers, reading, studying. Where is the location? If you have a neck problem and you take a next way, where is it coming from? There's the pattern, like I said earlier. The pattern is going to be C4, C5, C5, C6. Symptoms, tingling, numbness in your hands, headaches. So there's a pattern of the problem. Now we need to figure it out why are those an issue? What can we do to minimize their problem? Uh, minimize the degenerations, like this, like I said earlier, disc herniations, bulging disc, arthritis on that uh, C4, C5, C5, C6. What can we do to fix the problem? And of course, it's not just limited to lower back pain and upper neck and shoulder area. But oftentimes people are dealing with debilitating knee pain, maybe from an injury, could even be a sports injury from when they were in high school years and years ago. And other types of pains too, doctor, that I would suppose are associated with things like um, autoimmune disease, arthritis, things of that sort? Yes. Uh, Let's go back to the knee first. The knee, again, 
knee, people have knee replacement. The doctor said there's bone on bone. Uh, there's degeneration. Usually, another way is there's a pattern again. The pattern is on medial meniscus that's being degenerated, arthritis on that area. So we need to figure it out. Why is it causing it? Two things that cause that issue. The first is going to be there's more loading on the medial meniscus. So that's why this degenerates faster. There's arthritis and medial bone. There's arthritis in the bone. So medial meniscus. So we need to find figure out the mechanic. Why is it deteriorated? So younger people can start preparing for this and prevent the knee replacement. So that's, that's the pattern. So we need to figure it out. And then we will talk more about like, What's the cause of the problem? So there's two things. It's the, the loading force that I'm talking about that degenerate, herniated the disc, um, degenerative disc, and arthritis in the bones, okay? That leads into the stenosis of the, the problem in, in, in the vertebrae, in the spine. And the, on the knee is going to be the medial meniscus. So, and then also, that's one thing. The first thing that's caused pain is the, the loading force on that a disc area or meniscus area. What's the second one? It's the inflammation. The inflammation that's causing your body to irritate that joint, irritate the disc. Now the disc it will degenerate faster. An example is going to be rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune conditions. That what does the autoimmune condition lead into? Inflammatory process. The inflammation will degenerate the joint better and faster for you. So. What we need to do is that we need to solve that problem, solve the loading force problem, okay? Let's talk a bit about why this is happening, because so often we, as you're suggesting, are suffering because of bad posture, bad habits, but oftentimes, too, isn't there a sense of bad treatment here? We probably all know individuals, maybe even ourselves, we've gone to doctors, we've sought medical treatment, we've been given prescriptions for pills, maybe up to and including recommendation for surgery, and yet in spite of everything that seems to be done to try to address chronic pain, most people never seem to get better. Why is that? You never solve the problem. You never solve the problem to fix the loading force. You never solve the problem to fix the inflammation of your body. That's why the body can continue to deteriorate. Like if you have like a disc hernia, disc bulging disc, if you have like injections, temporary is blocking the pain. What's the next thing? The next step is going to be surgery. You cut off the disc, but what happened to the rest of their loading force? There's still loading force happening on that same area. So people have surgery. What's the next step? It's going to be fusions. That's, you never solve the problem. Solve the loading force first. Solve the information. So now the patients can return their health back to normal. Today, a look at healing habits in studio with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com. So oftentimes, let's use, for example, the case of arthritis. People that are suffering from arthritis, most oftentimes a doctor will prescribe anti-inflammatories, yes. pain pills, yes. and people say, I marginally feel better, but my, my range of motion is gone, and my ability to enjoy the things that I did, to, to have the kind of hobbies that I used to have completely disappear. Now, here's an exception. Let's give a listen to a testimony by one of your patients that suffered from this very issue, that of rheumatoid arthritis. I came to Dr. Duong August 5th of this year due to the fact that I've had rheumatoid arthritis for 22 years along with low thyroid and haven't really gotten any results from the regular medical field. So a friend of mine referred me to Dr. Duong 
And the improvements that I've had in less than two months is less pain. I have a lot more energy. I am sleeping through the night. My meds have been decreased by half. I am now losing weight and I feel great. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about Dr. Duong for other people to know that he teaches you how to make good changes that will help your body to heal itself rather than putting a Band-Aid on it like most doctors. He loves to help people, teach them so they can be healthy and whole. And I wanted to also say that in the two months that I've been going to Dr. Duong, I've had more positive gains in my health than I've had with a rheumatoidologist in 22 years. So I highly, highly recommend people that are not getting the result with their regular doctor to see Dr. Duong. He's wonderful. Doctor, that's an amazing story of a patient of yours that was suffering from another maladies, but most certainly, and one that's very common as we age, and that is rheumatoid arthritis. And as she indicates, she'd seen other physicians, no answers whatsoever. Um, yours, of course, has been a very different approach. Let's talk a bit about what exactly you're doing that's different from other specialists. I focus on the natural healing. God gives us the power to heal the healings inside us already. We work with this healing and go and work on the basic so the body can heal. The first thing that we do is to reducing the inflammatory process on her system. Autoimmune, RA is what? Rheumatoid arthritis. We know that's autoimmunity. Your immune system is attacking the joint. That's why there is pain, inflammation in the, the system for sure. How do we know for sure? Genetic testing. So we did genetic testing to find out the issue, the inflammatory process, the detoxification can lead into an um, issue that um, affecting inflammation as well. So we know where is the issue coming from scientifically, understanding the inflammatory process, give her the natural solution for the inflammations. Okay, you need to listen to what I have on the previous recording, like how to take care of the inflammatory process how to take care of, of, of your health. There's two ways that you can take care of it. The first is the structures. You have to take care of the structures, work on the structures, this, the human frame. And the other one is diet. How do you fix your diet is if you know for sure, is through the genetic testing, we, now we know uh, for sure when to give you the right supplement at the right time for the right condition so now the body can function better. So proper diet, proper exercise, proper habits, really, as one of the key effects that allows you to begin to encourage the body to heal itself. And then as you're suggesting, specifically looking at not just what the symptoms are and treating the symptoms, essentially saying, let's mask it, feed them a bunch of pain pills, but really getting to the root cause of why is this individual suffering the deterioration, suffering from the pain, and then attacking it right at the root cause. We need to find out the root cause and then go back to the basic. The basic is working with your body. For example, my patients, is I always train them the basic is what? Breathing. When you breathe, you oxygenate your blood. You make your blood more alkaline. You need your body to be more alkaline. So the breathing techniques, the exercise, eating right, do the genetic, I'll coach the patient what supplement they, they can take correctly, accurately, for sure, because we have that available. 
that's a way that we help the patients. So whether you're suffering from neck, shoulder, upper back, lower back pain, knee pain, arthritis in the joints and hips, or other autoimmune diseases and their accompanying pain, why not call today and find out how developing healing habits in your life can literally lead you to a life free from pain? At the present moment, Dr. Duong is offering a very special offer for our listeners. It's a special consultation, a $287 value for just $47. That's right. You heard me correctly. Dr. Duong offering a $47 consultation valued at $287 for the first eight callers who qualify. Right now, pick up the phone and call 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Or call 510-818-1668. And this is really an amazing offer, doctor, for the first eight callers to come in for a complete checkup consultation, an opportunity to really get an understanding as to what is underlying this pain, the debilitating lifestyle, and then hopefully get to that root cause and get people back on the road to good health and healing habits. The healing habits work on the basic. You have to work on the basic so that you can create a habit so you can get rid of this pain and enjoy life. So get on the road to good health today. Call 510-818-1668. Be one of the first eight callers to qualify, and you'll receive this $47 consultation, a $287 value for just $47. 510-818-1668. More information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. HealingHabitsNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Weary is an area in my Christian walk that I will admit I struggle with. Not even just from time to time, sometimes almost continuously. And let's face it, these days there's a big laundry list of things that we can all be worried about. Now, it's not just limited to, will the Giants win the playoffs? But it's things like financial problems, family troubles, health problems, things of this sort. And suddenly we find ourselves in a whole heap of worry. But what does Jesus say about worry? Well, he tells us, first off, in Matthew 6 and 25, not to be anxious about life, not to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or about our body or what you're going to wear. You have to um, set aside concerns over things like food. In fact, realize that even as God cares for the birds of the air, as they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them, so too then should we recognize that we are of greater value than they, and therefore should recognize that being anxious cannot add even a single hour to our lifespan. In fact, medical doctors will often tell you it can detract from your physical health. So how do we deal with worry and being anxious in life? Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry is the title of a new book by Amy Simpson. And Amy, great to have you on the program. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Well, this is a topic I think all of us uh, deal with at one layer or another. I guess maybe the big room divider here would be those that um, that have a healthy amount of worry 
Um, I think sometimes that fight-flight response to things going on around us is an important one to to have. But then, of course, there's the other side of this coin, and that is when worry becomes excessive. It's no longer normal. It is over-concern or or maybe a combination of a couple of things, over-concern, and as you suggest in the book, uh, coupled with some under-trust. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I do feel like it's important to make some distinctions, be, you know, because um, what, what I'm talking about here is not pathological anxiety. It's not, um, you know, an anxiety disorder, which really needs to be addressed through maybe counseling, um, sometimes medication, sometimes both, um, but really the choice to engage in worry. And you're right, anxiety is uh, and fear are created to be healthy tools for us. They can help keep us safe. They can help us make wise decisions and avoid situations that we should avoid. Um, Sometimes I think when people think they need to address the problem of worry in their lives, they really try to get rid of all fear and anxiety. And, you know, we don't need to rid ourselves of those things completely. They are positive, healthy tools. But worry, you know, just pointlessly worrying about something is different. And, you know, choosing to engage in that behavior does reflect, um, I think, often reflect a belief in our lives that needs to be corrected. Let's drill down to some important definitions here. First, you make a a distinction, I think, that it it can be a decision. This is something that we engage in, that there is an aspect of this that that is voluntary. Is that so? Yeah, absolutely. Now, with something like an anxiety disorder, the anxious response, that fight or flight, is not voluntary. And even with someone who has an anxiety disorder, that's not voluntary. It's really a healthy, normal process that's working too well. It's working overtime, and the body or the brain doesn't know when to shut it off. And that's different. What I'm talking about is the worry that we do engage in voluntarily. Even if it's so habitual that we think we're not choosing to do it, it is an action, whether we realize it or not. And it is something that we can, um, can address. It, you know, it's not out of our control. Is there an aspect of this which is um, passed along through family lines? And I ask that question because oftentimes I think of people that kind of tend to uh, uh, fit into that so-called worry war category that might tend to come from a family where it was very common. You know, dad worried about finances, mother worried about whether or not the bills were going to be paid on time, or sometimes whether or not dinner was undercooked or overcooked. I mean, it, it can go from the sublime, I suppose, to the ridiculous. Do we tend to sometimes model that if we've seen um, a parent in our uh, youth who excessively gave time over to worry? Do we tend to sometimes pick up those habits? Yeah, absolutely. Just like any other behavior or any other habit, um, worry can be modeled for us. And, and unfortunately, as we engage in it and indulge it, we um, make it more likely that it will become habitual, maybe even get to a point where it's um, really destructive to our health, or it feels like something we can't control. And, and more than that, as your book goes into in great detail, it can go beyond something that is uh, simply um, obsessive to the destructive power of worry that can not only uh, overcome and impact our relationships with um, our spouses or our children, but even ultimately have a negative impact on our relationship with God. Yeah, exactly. Worry is really, I consider it really an act of rebellion on our part. Um, first, you know, first of all, doing something that God has, has asked us not to do, asked his people not to do. Um, but also, 
you know, choosing to often, like I said, there's a belief behind that worry. So often it's a, a belief that is something like, um, I believe the world is my responsibility, <laughs> or I believe God is not strong enough to handle this, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm worrying because I'm trying to see into the future. I'm trying to understand what's going to happen so that I can decide what I should do now. And that's not something that God has given us. You know, he hasn't given us the future. So sometimes we are trying to, when we, we worry, we are actually trying to undermine the, the created order, the limitations that God has placed on us, um, the dramatic uh, distance between us and him as far as how much higher his ways are than our ways. Is there a direct correlation, too, based on your research on this book, Amy, between um, worry and the the desire to want to control the future, um, pitted against our ability to trust God? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the future is one of the, our greatest sources of worry. And when we stop to think about wh- what exactly we're worrying over, when we say we worry about um, our, what's going to become of our kids or our jobs or on the economy or something like that, often we are worrying about tomorrow or next year or five years down the road. And what we're really doing is, again, trying to live in a place we can't live, trying to access something that God has not given us. And what that does, in effect, is pull us away from what he has given us. You know, it's a distraction from the present, um, from what God has placed in front of us and called us to, where in favor of something that he has not given us Mm. and that may never be ours. And may also, therefore, um, potentially drive a a wedge between ourselves and God, too, because we're we're trying to control something that he has not given us control over. And and obviously, then, too, demonstrative of maybe a notion, a little bit of that, that sin nature creeping in, where we feel as if we can do a better job controlling things than God himself. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it's a problem of of misunderstanding ownership as well. You know, mm. we tend to think that we own the people and possessions in our lives, and we don't. Um, scripture teaches very clearly that everything and everyone belongs to God. And when we get that confused and begin to think that, you know, we really have ownership and we can't afford to lose the things we have, or, um, you know, that we are responsible for our children or our spouses or our employees or the other people in our lives, um, we begin to take on, again, a measure of control that's inappropriate for us and, and uh, sort of forget or sideline the role that God plays as, as our sovereign God. We're visiting today with Amy Simpson, a look at anxious choosing faith in a world of worry. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to the conversation on a topic I think that impacts a lot of us. It's one perhaps that uh, you struggle with. I know it's one that I struggle with, and that is the issue of worry. Family troubles, financial problems, whatever it might be, you worry. But what does that say of your relationship with God, and how do we address the destructive power of worry? That's what we're dealing with today, her new book, Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry. Jack in San Jose. Jack, hello, welcome. Come on in with your comment or question for Amy Simpson. Thank you, Amy, for uh, saying thank you, KFAX, for taking my calls. 
Um, I do have uh, a lot of anxiety and worries. Well, I did have them in the past, and I uh, came across my Christian mentor gave me Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that I have practically memorized that verse, and I uh, recite that always as far as uh, checking my memory, my uh, worries, and just submit them to God and let Him take care of all the problems that I'm uh, facing. Pretty much, we, we all created worry-free, uh, I mean, uh, we're filled with worries around us. We worry just about everything. And we think that, you know, we want to have a control of our life, and we want to be in charge of it. We want to be control of it, but, and that's where we lose it. You know, we do, and that's an excellent observation, Jack, and maybe maybe you can address that. It's not that having concerns and worries are, are not normal. Um, that's not something that we should say, oh, I think worried about something. i got to go and confess. Uh, there's a healthy degree of worry. There's a natural degree of worry, but it's what we do with it. It's how we respond, and as the caller suggests, uh, being able to surrender to Scripture and surrender to God and, and use many Scriptures that exhort us about how important it is to not worry and to surrender those concerns to God can really be a big key toward getting out from underneath the destructive power of worry, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's important to recognize that any habit of ours, any behavior, is really a reflection of, of something we believe. And so if, we're, you know, if we have a habit of worry or we're worrying destructively, we need to examine you know, what's the belief behind that. And the way to combat that belief is to reaffirm what is actually true. You know, we're believing something probably that's false, like I'm in charge of the world, or, you know, everything's up to me, or I can control this, um, or I can do a better job than God can. And we need to tell ourselves things that are actually true. And and reciting scripture is a, a wonderful way to do that, because those are God's words, and they are true. All right, we thank you so much, Jack, for your call. That leaves a line open at 888-367-5329, 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Is there a healthy degree of worry, Amy? And if so, how do we, we keep that in balance? I mean, for example, there are days when I've left the house and I, I get halfway down the street and I worry, hmm, did I, did I remember to turn off the stove? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain types of worry that I would seem, would seem to me can be, can be healthy if they're kept in balance. Yeah, and I would I would really actually make a differentiation between um, there between worry and anxiety because I would say that you know there's a healthy that's a healthy degree of anxiety you know that um, if we're not sure whether we turned off the stove we should we should wonder about that we should have a, a level of anxiety about that that will drive us to either go back and turn it off or turn it off next time you know it helps us to make wise decisions to anticipate things that might happen. Um, but if you were if you were to not do anything about that, and you were just to simply worry about it all day, mm. you know that's not a healthy response, and that's not a productive response. You're not actually accomplishing anything um, to address that problem. You're so, so when worry comes about, yourself. then there there needs to be some kind of responsive action to it, not just to continue and wring your hands and and uh, pace the floor, but to either surrender over to God, or you know, again in the example, gee, I left the house. I wonder if I turned the stove off. I'm worried about that. Well, yeah, I can. Sometimes we're worrying because we're, we're we're putting off taking action on something we actually should should do, and we worry about it instead. Um, 
And, and God, God, I would suspect then, always wants us to take action, whether it's responsive, like turning the car back around and heading home and double-checking and finding out, oh, guess what, I did forget to turn off the stove, or putting it in proper perspective and saying, you know what, uh, this is a crippling obsession, uh, it is threatening my well-being, I am trying to control something in the future right. that I cannot control, and I need to therefore take positive steps, positive action to surrender that to God. Exactly. And sometimes it is a matter of, of acknowledging that we can't actually take any action. It may, there may be a situation that we actually don't have the power to, um, to change or to control. And in those cases, we need to acknowledge. And, you know, we often speak of surrendering control to God, but what we're really doing when we do that is um, we're not surrendering anything. We're just acknowledging what's already true. You know, we're not giving God um, the responsibility for, for the world. He already has it. So we just need to submit ourselves to that. It's a little bit of, again, a sin nature here, too, isn't it? Because we're trying to wrestle from God control over things over which we have no control. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it goes back to the Garden of Eden, really, in, in trying to be be like God or take on God's um, place in relationship to the universe. And we simply we simply don't have that, that power, and, and we simply have not been given control over everything. And thank God that we have not been, <laughs> um, you know, because we certainly would not make it better. We're visiting with Amy Simpson, author of Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry, something that all of us need to take a look at. I mean, there's a whole ton out there to be worried about. The problem is that sometimes we don't keep it in proper perspective. We allow the the obsessive nature of worry to become destructive. And, of course, that destructiveness can not only be crippling from an emotional standpoint, but also destructive in terms of the impact that it has on our relationships, ultimately our relationship with God, because as Amy suggests, oftentimes this issue of worry is one where we, we're trying to control something that we cannot control that is uniquely in the hands of God. And we're suggesting maybe what, through worry, that we can do a better job than he can? We might not articulate it that way, but maybe our actions would suggest otherwise. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, as we have suggested on today's program, there are a lot of reasons why and things going on in the world around us and in your own personal life to worry. Lots of reasons to worry, all except one, and that is that God commands us not to worry. In fact, as suggested by our guest today, we need to take a, a strong look at our relationship with him and trust issues if we become overwhelmed by worry. And toward that end, this is an interesting topic in, in your own personal life. Um, Amy, how have you struggled with this? Yeah, I mean, this book really comes out of my own experience. I I have really spent a lifetime being a, a worried and anxious person, um, but not really recognizing it for what it was, because I could always point to somebody else around me who was w- more worried than I was. Um, but God just really um, began to open my eyes to my own worry habits. Like a few years ago when I was um, sitting in a, a church service and, and I heard uh, Isaiah 40 being read. And, and for some reason, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've heard these passages many times, but for some reason I heard them, heard this in a new way. And, and in Isaiah 40 when it talks about God says, you know, who can compare to me? Who is like me? No one. I am, you know, so strong and so mighty that I know all of the stars by name, and because of me, 
not one of them is missing. And I, for some reason, I that just hit home for me in a way it hadn't before, where I realized, you know, this this God who is talking to his people in ancient times through the prophet Isaiah is the same God that I claim to trust and to worship. Mm. And here I am kind of stewing in worry and in anxiety and, and trying to control things that are outside my control. And, uh, you know, if he is keeping track of all the stars and he knows all of them by name, boy, why do I think that I can't trust him with the things that, that worry me and that threaten to overwhelm me? So, I, I, you know, I've been on a journey with that, and God has been addressing that with me and, and writing this book project, you know, is a, a part of that as well. So. I am still on that journey. I am certainly not worry-free, um, but God, God's changing my habits and my heart's there, and he's doing it really through addressing my, the beliefs that fuel my worry. Is a big part of this, too, about priority and perspective? I ask that question because it, we're reminded of um, what Jesus says in Luke twelve twenty-two, where he says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough to eat or clothes to wear. Life is more than food, your body more than clothing. Don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Therefore, seek the kingdom of God first above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. And the reference there to unbelievers puts this in perspective, doesn't it? Worry is what the world does. Worry, and obsessively so, is not what we as Christians should do. Right. We are called to live differently. and We live in a very worried world. We live in a culture that not only worries a lot, but also values worry as a way to show that we're important, we're engaged, we care about the world around us, and is suspicious of people who are at peace. But we are called to live at peace um, and to live a life of faith and trust. And that is a, that is a, a thing that will make us stand out as Christians in this world. And you're right, it's, sometimes it is a matter of, um, it's certainly a matter of perspective, sometimes it's a matter of priority as well, because worry can be a way um, of revealing to us that we are prioritizing our own concerns above those of God's, mm. and sometimes just a matter of focusing on, okay, what is important to God in this situation can completely flip our perspective and make us realize that we are worrying over things that, you know, in, in God's <laughs> um, economy aren't, don't matter that much. The, the bigger perspective, I mean, because otherwise yeah. we can be crippled as much by worry as by spiritual myopia, that, that, that sense of, of, of short-sightedness or narrow-sightedness that doesn't allow us to look beyond the current problem. And again, I want to be careful in underscoring that there are oftentimes uh, worries that come along over legitimate things, mm-hmm. making sure that you um, have enough money to pay the mortgage to keep a roof over the head of your children if your husband has lost his job or your wife has lost her job. That's a legitimate concern. Absolutely. And yet it shouldn't be a crippling one. And if we allow it to do so, doesn't that suggest a bit of a spiritual narrow-mindedness here that we think somehow that God can't see above and beyond the totality of all of our needs, including whether or not the rent is paid? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes we get lost in our own um, perspective and forget that there is a much larger perspective. And, of course, that doesn't mean, you know, I don't mean to minimize the things that that make us worry. And God doesn't either, really. If you look in Scripture, God never tells us, don't worry because there's nothing to worry about or because the things that you worry about are unimportant. He says, you know, when he tells his people not to worry in Scripture, he always tells them why. And the reason he gives them is never based in um, their circumstances. It's always based in who he is. It's always that we 
are not to worry because of who God is. And, and so regardless of our circumstances, he is greater than those circumstances. And that really takes us back full circle to the initial portion of our conversation where we made that worry-trust uh, correlation that, that really at the end of the day, an extreme degree of worry is suggesting an extreme degree of lack of trust and the ability to supplant worry with trust um, will will ultimately not only quite frankly, give us a better night's sleep, but also enrich our spiritual walk and deepen our relationship with Christ. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, and actually, the you know, making a habit of practicing trust rather than, than worrying, sort of replacing the worry with not only a change in our beliefs, but a change in our practices mm-hmm. can be a powerfully faith-deepening activity. So this is something you have to purpose to do. Yes. It is, especially in a, in a, a world where, uh, you know, the culture around us encourages us to worry, and a world where there are plenty of, of reasons to be worried. You know, if God is not on his throne, if God is not in charge of this world, and if he doesn't love us, we have every reason in the world to be worried. Otherwise, to recognize that this is not a one-and-done sort of approach, that in fact you need to renew your trust in him, as a previous caller suggested, um, uh, committing to memory certain scriptures that help you gain uh, a proper balance and focus on a relationship and who's really in charge. Because as Amy points out, if God is not on the throne and God is not in charge, we are in a whole ton of trouble, and therefore you have every reason to worry yourself right into ground. If, however, you believe that God is still on the throne, still in charge, that he is the founder and creator of all that is around us, and there is nothing that is outside of his control, then it's a matter of surrendering the worry over to him, saying no to the enemy who wishes to preoccupy you with worry, and learning to deepen your trust in him. The book is called Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry, and the book newly published by InterVarsity Press. You'll find it at the usual suspects, as well as through Amazon.com. Amy also has a website that you can check out, amysimpsononline.com. And Amy, thanks so much for the time and the insights tonight. There's Amy Simpson, Anxious. All right, be anxious for nothing. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.